Hello, and welcome back to episode 7 of the Work-Wife Balance Podcast. We are your hosts, Holly. And Stacy. And today, before we put out any other podcast episode, we felt it was very important to touch on the Asian American experience. Um, considering Stacy here is Asian American. I am one of those, yes. Yes. Um, so she has given me free reign to ask her any questions I'd like. And hopefully this brings some light to the topic if you don't know anything about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, first, I felt like we should start off by talking about what exactly the systemic racism is for Asian Americans. Because I feel like a lot of people think of Asian Americans and they're like, oh, people aren't racist towards them. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it looks different than what we typically see as, quote, racism. Right. And I think, yeah, what you were saying, like, and specifically in the U.S. too, like, I feel when we think about racism, it's black and white. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, literally. And that's kind of just what we think of it. Um, And then, and it's kind of interesting, too, because I think, okay, so I'll just start with, like, my experience as being Asian American in the U.S., honestly has been and I it's hard for me to compare to other people too because I always feel like my experience hasn't been that bad Mm -hmm. um and I would say like the majority of the things that I've experienced have been um based on like I guess like just how I look and in terms of like do boys like me kind of thing Mm -hmm. um but I think it's different for everybody because I also grew up in the suburbs Mm -hmm. in like a more affluent area so it was just more educated people tend to be less racist right that's not always the case but it just happened to be um and like growing up like I had Asian friends and white friends and that's just kind of normal and so I feel like the Asian American experience like across the board is way different and then also um like inter wise like there's like a- different things about different uh how do, am i ethnicities yeah different asian ethnicities in which there are prejudice prejudices against i don't know if i explained that well but like just for me i'm chinese american so mm-hmm. but my like origins are a little bit um different so i'm I'm Chinese American. I'm a first generation in America. My parents both immigrated here when they were, my mom was uh, 15 and my dad was like in his early 20s when they came to the US. But my parents grew up in Vietnam. And so I always had trouble um, identifying as Chinese Mm -hmm. because while I'm ethnically Chinese and you know, if I take a DNA test, it'll say you're Chinese. The way that my parents were raised was with Vietnamese culture. Mm-hmm. And so my parents speak Chinese. They also speak Vietnamese. And my dad also speaks Mandarin. And so it was kind of always like, I never really under, uh, yeah, it was always hard for me to figure out what my culture was because it didn't fit into, this is the experience that Chinese Americans have. This is the experience that Vietnamese Americans have Mm -hmm. because it was a combination of those things. And so I always found it really hard to self-identify, which is why if somebody asks me, I'm usually like, oh, I'm I'm Asian. Mm -hmm. So 
I don't know if that goes into maybe I'm like discrediting or I don't know maybe it almost seems like a sense of like uh not wanting to associate mm-hmm. and I feel like when I was younger I did that where I was like no I- I'm not those specific things I'm just Asian interesting which is kind of a weird thing but now that I'm older I've grown to love it um but yeah I I, I just think like the experience is so different for each and every person and I didn't grow up with a ton of Asian friends and the Asian friends I did have also were very Americanized like I was. And so our experiences were always different, but I don't think that I really experienced like anybody ever not talking to me because I was Asian. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say the first time I noticed that I was different was in I was say that was what gonna oh. be my next question. Okay, yeah. Go, do you want to go ahead and ask it? Well, no, because I was thinking. Well, yes, but I was also thinking of like, in my mind, when I think of Asian American racism, I immediately think of how Asian Americans or just Asian people are portrayed in movies and TV shows. Yeah, yeah. And um, I feel like that really plays a part of some of the harmful narrative. Absolutely that Asian Americans experience, especially Asian American women. Yeah, and that's, like, kind of what I started to touch on earlier about, like, the kinds of, I guess, discrimination I faced was in terms of, like, do boys like me? Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, I feel... I I didn't realize it until recently, but ever since I was really young, uh, I've noticed that, like, Asian women have always been, like, hypersexualized. Yes. Always. Um, and that kind of becomes an issue for me and it's manifested itself in the way in which when I am with white men, Mm -hmm. I'm usually like the first Asian person they've ever been with. And I feel like their expectations of me are different. Interesting. Which is weird. Yeah. Which is really weird. And I don't think I realized it to be that way. Um, I think lucky for me, I've never been in a position where I I ever felt like not safe Mm -hmm. or not respected. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know with like one of my exes, we kind of had a conversation about this where I was like, I remember one time, I don't know what prompted the conversation, but I was like, I was like, was me being Asian part of the reason you wanted to date me? And he was like, no. Mm. And that's kind of been, I guess not an insecurity but maybe like i mean it's a something that floating, sits in the back of your head yeah a floating question in the back of and my head and that is due to the type of racism that asian americans face. yeah where because i would say like classically the stereotype of for asian women is that they're submissive they're they're small and nimble little creatures that will do whatever you want right and the way that we're portrayed in movies is that we don't speak english or at least don't speak the language that the other sexual counterpart uh-huh. speaks and so I, it's almost just like Asian women are always perceived as lesser than uh-huh. and I think only just now that we're starting to turn the page and look at Asian people as being incredibly smart um mm-hmm. which is like another which is also hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah so there's like all of these like, different, oh, we're good at math. yeah there's all these like, different math. things and um I'm sure you've heard of model minority have you heard of that? Mm-mm. So Asian oh, Americans yes. are considered to be the model minority because right. 
Um, if you didn't know, Asian Americans are the most educated group of people in the U- U.S. Interesting. So I they have that. the highest amount of people who have like first or second degrees. So like hmm. undergrad, masters, PhD programs, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way that America has phrased it is that Asian people are the model minority. Other groups of minorities who come to the U.S. should look at them and be like, wow, they went from rags to riches <laughs> because of X, Y, and Z, because of their work ethic, etc. cetera. Um, and I think by placing a model minority label over an entire group um, erases the struggles they may face. Because it's like, well, right. you guys are doing fine. You guys right? are doing... You guys are the most educated group yeah. of people. You guys are fine. And I think that's kind of played into how I view it, which is why I haven't really said anything about um, all of the Asian American hate happening and like all of the elderly people being like literally killed and like mm-hmm. all of the horrible things that have been happening because I think just like for me specifically because I grew up like upper middle class absolutely fits into the stereotype of model minority like mm-hmm. I, I have a college education like I have a job things are fine for me that I was like I, I feel that my experience has been fine so I don't feel the need to be like oh my gosh all these horrible things are happening does that make sense but it I don't yeah there I guess like a part of me did feel like it was wrong to say something because you felt like none of it happened to you yes exactly see that's interesting because I feel like and this may be a strong statement sure I feel like that almost is some not saying it's the same, but somewhat similar to like white guilt. Mm. Mm. Like white people don't want to say anything because they're like, I know it's what. not happening to me. Yeah, but it's like still needing you still need to be an ally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like when I see the videos and all of the news stories of people, Asian people particularly in recent news being targeted, it's like so painful. But I literally, like, the other day, the little old lady that got, like, kicked down on the street in New York, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, it happened in New York. Like, everything should be okay here. But it's like, no. Like, no, somebody got there's... attacked in, like, Chinatown a few weeks ago. Like, and in my hometown right now, there's somebody who's been targeting Asian-American households and cutting their brake lines. Yeah. And so it's like, all this crazy like, shit is happening, and I just feel... I don't know what it is. I can't really explain it. Mm-hmm. And it's like absolutely like I feel really horrible and it hurts and it kind of brings back um, like childhood memories of like all yeah. of the things that I guess I've quote unquote overcome or at least just like blacked out in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I answered the question you asked, but. It, no. <laughs> so, I mean, going back to your childhood memories, because it is bringing that up. Mm-hmm. We almost touched on it earlier, but what do you feel like your first experiences was was realizing that you were different than all the white suburban families yeah. or the first time you experienced racism or acknowledged it? Um, I think the first time, so I don't really remember any sort of like targeted experience of somebody pointing out that I was Asian. Mm-hmm. There was n- at least like when I was in elementary school. And I think it's because the schools I went to did have a large Asian population. Um, and my best friend in elementary school was 
Asian too also so like we could relate to each other on that end um and I don't think kids were thinking about saying racist things back I don't know you know what I think of that kids did what and it's like you look at this back then you didn't think anything of it looking back now like I'm and I'm guilty of it holding your eyes in photos yes that definitely to to spread your eyes make them smaller Mm -hmm. that was something that I used to see not a lot at of microaggressions. Yeah, not really at school, right. which was good. But in the webcam but, photos. Yeah, but a lot like on TV and newspapers and magazines, there was a lot of like, let me pull my eyes back kind of stuff, um, which didn't bother me back then. And I think if I saw it now, I'd be like, this person's an absolute fucking idiot. It's ignorant. Yeah, like mm-hmm. for doing that. But like, you're stupid as shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first time I ever realized that I was, I guess, different was I it was in sixth grade. I had just moved schools, still in Shoreline, but I was standing in a group of these uh, friends, and I remember looking at all of them because I'm really small and I was always really small, and so that was the thing. That's stereotype. Yeah, that fits small the stereotype. But that was the thing that I was like that made me different. I was like, it's because I'm really small. Okay. Not because I'm Asian. I was like, it's because I'm small. And so I was standing in this group of girls, and I looked around at all of them, and I was like, I'm the only one that doesn't have blue eyes. Interesting. And I was like, that's weird. And so then I went home, and then I think my mom had to have a conversation with me about being like, you're Chinese, which is why you have brown eyes. And that was like the first time I was like, oh, like, I'm different. But I did experience, like, a lot of, like, ew, your food is gross, your food smells Mm. weird, like, gross, which is why I stopped bringing school, or lunches to school, and I started only doing lunchroom food. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But, yeah, I remember those things happening, people making comments, like, so when were you, how old were you when you realized that you didn't have blue eyes, like, all the white kids? (laughs) Uh, probably 11 or 12. Okay. Yeah. It was in sixth grade. I just, it was such like a weird moment for me. But I think after that is kind of when I started to really um, analyze like beauty standards mm-hmm. and like how different I looked. Because uh, like I was saying earlier, like within the Asian community, there's there there are things within itself that are troubling, such as like light skin versus dark skin. Right. And so for me, like I would say that I'm, solidly medium like yeah, if i was gonna say medium yeah like if we're looking at my skin tone just based on like if we were gonna pick out a foundation shade mm-hmm. for me i'm probably right in the middle yeah right and so with in all asian cultures i would say or at least 90 percent of them it is always favored to have very very light skin mm-hmm. and so for me growing up because compared to my older sister cindy cindy's very fair skin mm-hmm and me next to her, I'm dark. Right. Quote, unquote, dark, right? Um, and Emily, my younger sister, is also dark. Mm-hmm. And so there was always this conversation between our, like, aunts and grandparents and other family members. Like, wow, Cindy's skin is so beautiful. It's so white. Mm. And then for me, it was like, she is dark. Hmm. And there's, like, a phrase in Chinese that was always used, and it's called, um, to describe the skin, and it's called hak guak guak, which okay. means, like, very dark. 
Like, her skin is so dark, it's, like, uh, murky. Oh. And so that's how, like, my skin tone was always described. a conversation. Yeah. And so for me, when I um, got older and started thinking about beauty standards, I was like, well, my skin is so dark, like, it, like it doesn't matter. Like, I'm never going to be pretty because my skin is so dark. But then that's when all the shit about, like, <laughs> Jersey Shore and being really tan mm. and self-tanning all came in. And I was like, no, like, I, why is everybody doing that? Like, you want to be lighter skin, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like that within the Asian community is also very um, reflective into just, like, it, I guess, like, people in general. Like, light skin mm-hmm. is better, quote-unquote. Um, but... I mean, yeah, I don't, I forgot what the regular question was that you asked. I just started (laughs) talking. No, it is interesting because it's, I feel like you're already kind of talking about it, but it's interesting to see how racism against you Mm -hmm. specifically as a petite Asian American woman kind of evolves throughout your lifetime. Because at first it's being made fun of for your food and Mm -hmm. then doing the The small eyes thing and then... It's being sexualized mm-hmm. because you're a small Asian woman. And- yeah, and I think when you're saying that, another thing that I thought of was that just like within the Asian community, there's a lot of comparison going on. So, and I'm guilty of doing it too because um, the shape of the eyes is so important for whatever reason. Mm. I don't know what it is. It's, it's obviously what distinguishes us in Mm -hmm. the u.s like that's what it is it's like oh asians have small eyes right like that's what the thing is Mm -hmm. and within the asian communities that's that's um the same um and so it's always just been so interesting to me because although i had dark skin Mm -hmm. in my family i had really big eyes yes and so and if you look fucking look at me i look like a bug (laughs) Right, so it's like, I had the big eyes, but I had the dark skin, so at least I had the big eyes. And that's what I would get complimented on when I was a kid, was my eyes. Her eyes are so big, I can't believe she has double eyelids. That, and I, too, I feel like this plays into you getting mislabeled Mm -hmm. your whole life as, quote, what type of Asian are you? Yes, exactly. (laughs) And then, like, yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. And so... Uh, what are you, Stacy? That the way that <laughs> that question. So that kind of. I'm laughing, but that's actually terrible. I mean, so okay. I know a lot of different Asian people have different opinions on that question too. Um, I know for a long time when people would ask me just like out of being polite, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm Chinese," mm-hmm. and their response is like, "Oh, okay, cool." Um, and then it that. So when I would get questions like that when I was younger, it was always out of curiosity. And it was typically other Asian people asking me. Because I I would say I'm ambiguously Asian looking. Mm -hmm. You couldn't just look at me and be like, oh, she's this. Um, So I get it. But as I got older and, like, was in the workforce. And when I say workforce, I mean, like, when I worked at, like, Fred Meyer and Target. Mm -hmm. um, It was, like, customers would come up to me Mm. and ask. And I remember one time at Target... This guy, white guy, comes up to me and he goes, Oh, God. Hi, ni hao. Which is like, I get that all the time. And so I was like, hi, can I help you? Because I'm working. And he's like, oh, no, I was just um, curious about where you're from. 
And I was like, I'm from Seattle. And he was like, no, like, where are your parents from? This is an older white guy. Yes. And I was like, um, he, or I was like, uh, they're, they're from Vietnam, but I'm Chinese. And he goes, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I know some Chinese people. Oh, my God. Anyways, welcome to America. <gasps> and walked away. No way. And I was like, what the literal fuck? Like, why, why did that just happen to me? Um, but stuff like this used to happen all the time. And it was always when I was older, and it was always older generations of white people asking me. Um, uh, there was, like, another time, like, when I worked at Fred Meyer, that was right after I graduated high school. And, like, people were so fucking weird about it. People would walk by me and be like, ni hao, and walk away. Or they'd say, konnichiwa. That one's really, like, I would get that a lot, too. Right? Or they would, like, say hi to me in a random Asian language as if we're all the same, as if there aren't different Asian people, um, as if that's normal to do, right? Like, you wouldn't walk by somebody who looks like they might speak Spanish and say hola, right? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's weird. Um, you should start doing that to white people. <laughs> Bonjour! <laughs> Guten Tag! See, I feel like I'm so shocked because I don't hear a lot about the Asian American experience, but I'm sure anybody who's listening who's Asian is not shocked by these. I Yeah, I doubt it. And I think a lot of it, too, is... Uh, like, my family, we didn't talk about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because we were, my parents were so focused on, like, my education. Yeah. They're like, you need to study in school, whatever the fuck else anyone says to you, it doesn't matter. You just, you do your own thing, graduate, get a job. And so that's kind of what it was. But, you know, now, since then, I've had conversations with my parents about um, their experiences. Because they mm-hmm. came up to the U.S. not knowing how to speak English at all. They were not... Um, assimilated to the culture at all um and my dad experienced so much racism because he got came to the u.s like late 70s 80s oh um and there was just like so much racism like uh people there's like an ongoing joke at work because my dad recently retired but he worked at boeing for years where it was like an ongoing thing where he was his his coworkers would call him the yellow man oh and that's just what it was. Um, that doesn't that, really surprise me for that yeah. time, that era. Right, and it's like a bunch right, of mechanics. That's right, during too. or after Vietnam? During. After. After. It was after, but they were like, hey, yellow man. And, like, what gave my dad credit for them to stop doing that was his work ethic. So mm. I think it's, like, kind of a parallel to how Asian Americans work really really hard and it's I think it's almost as if we have to prove ourselves that we are worthy of being here yeah um which is really common like there's so much stuff that happens that like I I think there's like there's probably thousands of microaggressions that have probably happened to me in my entire lifetime but there are so many things that are so common that I don't really remember that they happen common and there hasn't been a lot of light brought to it yeah for all of America. Oh, one thing, I the most recent thing that happened um, that really threw me off because it had been so long since I, somebody had uh, been racist towards me. Mm-hmm. So there's two things. So 
the first time I got really scared and like felt really um, almost like a spotlight was on me was mm-hmm. when I was living in Bellingham, which is 80% white, white people. people. White granola people. Yeah. Um, and there's like a really large elderly population there. It was after Donald Trump had got elected the uh-huh. first. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only time. Yeah. Um, and I remember after the election, like, it was so sad, like, so somber across campus. And I remember walking into Fred Meyer, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And I was so scared. I don't know what it, I, I mean, I, I do know what it was. I was just terrified. I was like, I don't want somebody to say something to me. I don't want somebody to look at me and feel like now that Donald Trump is elected, like, there's free range to do all this stuff. And, like, obviously people took advantage of that over the past four years, as we can see. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I just remember being like so fucking scared walking in and people were just like giving me dirty looks. Old white people were giving me dirty looks. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening. This has never happened to me before. It, he gave people, him as a public figure gave people the okay to act the way they Yeah, were. and it was literally the day after gave the election. Gave people the okay to stop hiding their racism. Exactly, yeah. And this was the day after the election in 2016, mm. 2015 then, I guess? Twice. No, 2016. Um, so that was 2016, and I'm sure other things have happened since, but then the most recent one was last year, where I was with, um, three other white girls, and we were on chat roulette. Okay. Or Omegle, <laughs> just, like, clicking through. Uh-huh. And we got oh. to somebody, and it, I could tell they were, like, Hispanic. Okay. The other person. It was two people. And they saw me, and they did the eye thing. And they said, coronavirus. Mm. And then they ended the chat. And I remember two of the girls didn't say anything. They just looked at me like shocked, right? Because that was probably the first time they've ever seen that. Yeah. And then one of the other girls in the room just goes, that's so fucked up. I can't believe this happens to you. And I was going to ask, how did COVID play a part? Because... Um now we're seeing that we're seeing it it. full force which is surprising like a year later honestly um uh, even before we had like state mandates for people to stay home curfews etc early 2020 march 2020 when corona was happening and first starting i remember i was at target and some guy and like now i look back and i'm like well i wasn't wearing a mask nobody was wearing a mask back then not yet Mm -hmm. but this guy was like (laughs) full hazmat suit face mm. like diy hazmat suit mm-hmm. and he saw me and he just goes oh my god get away <gasps> and he was doing you can't the he was chewing me away like this with his hands and i remember being so and then i saw him walk away and do it to another asian person and i remember the, yeah literal people are so stupid and i just remember being so uh like dumbfounded i was like what the fuck just happened and I was like, whatever, I get my shit and leave. And like, I left. But I just remember like, that kind of stuck with me for a few days. And I remember posting about it on Instagram, like just experienced my first COVID related racism. And like a bunch of people reached out and were like, I'm so sorry, people are so fucking stupid. And I'm like, yeah, like, you don't have to apologize. Like, what? it is what it is. Um, yeah, I would say like, that's kind of what I've, other than that, honestly, I haven't, not, nothing really, because I, I don't really go out that often yeah I don't know I know that too with everything that's going on and it seems to be targeting older Asian 
Americans. Yeah. Right? That kind of seems to be what's happening. Really fucked up and doesn't really make sense to me. I mean, there's no there's no sense to be made of the whole thing it's at not all. Logical. Mm-hmm. Um and I and I'm kind of thinking like they must be attacking older elderly people because they're just weak. I would say easy target. Easy targets. Or is it some historical thing? They're like blaming that generation for I think it might be bringing like people to America like potentially what? or the fact that I'm mean, most elderly Asian people don't speak English so they know they can't mm. fight back they can't call the police they can't yeah they're they're weak they're they're literally helpless right and it's just so Perfect sad because target. it within the Asian community like um respecting your elders is such an important mm-hmm. part of our culture and so then seeing people come out the cuts and like beat Asian people elderly Asian grandparents to death is like horrifying right and I still have one set of grandparents and a great aunt that's she turned 81 this year so uh-huh. my great aunt is the youngest of the three and they oh, all wow. live together and they live in South Seattle um and so my parents and like aunts and uncles have been really like careful and telling them like don't go anywhere without us like you cannot leave the house like we're we're too scared and they live in chinatown where like the hate crime happened not too long ago and so yeah to i've i've been really nervous about it and my dad said recently like he went out i think he was at he oh he was walking so there's like a trail behind our house and he Mm -hmm. was walking and some some guy was coming up to him some old white guy was coming up to him super agitated and like kind of looked like he was gonna come towards my dad and my dad was like all right uh, is, i need oh. to square up and my dad's like <laughs> he's not oh. like a soft old man like he's like we'll beat your ass kind of guy i know but he's so sweet i know but he's he's seen some shit in his life yeah i um, can't ima- I, yeah. I mean i can't imagine actually and but. so he was like i need to defuse the situation he was like this guy's coming at me right now and i'm by myself and so he just goes oh hey man what's up how's your day going to like let him know he spoke english almost yeah and the guy was instantly like oh hey and just kept going and like that's not the only thing that he's ex- like that was not that long ago and he's like experienced other things like even at like the fucking Costco and Shoreline oh. of people being like racist towards him. See, it's interesting because he's older. He's in his sixties. He's right? in his sixties, yeah. But he's still, and so he would be considered a target. Yeah. But he's still like. He's still very like mentally there and yeah, like, would literally like he's... beat someone's ass like yeah my dad's like hardcore like he fought in the vietnam war alongside americans which is crazy to think about because i feel like and that's like another thing too is like i sometimes get scared to meet um older white people uh and this is kind of Uh, something so like when i meet have met like boyfriends families i get scared of like meeting their grandfathers they're a nom yeah because i'm scared of them being like oh where where's your family from and me being like vietnam uh-huh and that triggering some shit in them to be like what mm. the fuck get out um which is like so crazy to think about but it, it that's why i get really nervous to meet parents yeah how do you how does yeah i don't even there, it's ugh. like a whole thing like there's so many intricacies because of it that have i feel like a huge part of also racism against asian americans that's lost Mm -hmm. is the history behind it yeah i will admit to my 
everyone right now, <laughs> the history timeline is all boggled in my head of... I mean, we just don't learn about it. Exactly. Right? So, as far as I you know, know... The concentration camp's over here, but then yeah. you don't really hear more about it. Right. Uh, as and far as more. I know... I want to say it was, like, in the 1880s, there was an Asian Exclusion Act uh-huh. in which it was, like, 50 Asian people could immigrate to the U.S. At, per year or some, something like that. And I could be totally wrong, and there's probably, like, history buffs listening that are like, you're a dumb bitch. That's not what it was. But there was an Asian Exclusion Act, and then concentration camps, I would say, is the next thing that happened, right, where um, any Japanese family in the United States was targeted all of their belongings all of their businesses they own stripped from them they all moved into concentration camps no reparations mm-hmm. and then vietnam war happened mm-hmm. right and then and still at this point there weren't um the the asian people that were in america were mostly japanese people mm-hmm. as as far as i know that's what i think and then when the vietnam war happened um vietnam made it or sorry there was a rule, because, okay, this is kind of a tangent, but um, since so many soldiers were sent abroad to fight in the Vietnam War, they fathered a lot of half Vietnamese, half white babies, or not half white, half American babies. Uh-huh. Um, and so there was like a law enacted in the 80s in which their families, the children of those mixed families yeah. could immigrate to the U.S., and so that happened and that's kind of when the wave of Vietnamese people started to come to the U.S. Um, and then I guess that that's kind of like the most recent yeah. thing that's happened because uh, I there's just like I honestly don't know that much about it. But I think the frame of it has shifted from like Asian people in the Vietnam War to Middle Eastern people from right iraq and afghanistan so that's kind of how war has shifted well and then that's interesting you say that too because then when like i was talking to my friends in the uk Mm -hmm. and when i say asian yeah they think indian yeah middle eastern yeah whereas when americans say asian we think chinese Chinese, korean yeah Mm -hmm. japanese so it's like what i feel like the best way to stop Asian hate is first to understand the background mm-hmm. and the history of when Asian Americans started to come here, what was happening to them then, and then how they were portrayed in the media to understand why this is even happening and the microaggressions that Asian American people face. Absolutely. And I think, um, I, I guess... One way that I've seen people become more accepting of Asian culture is through our food. Yes. And which is so crazy. So when Anthony Bourdain died, mm-hmm. it was like surprisingly like really devastating for me. Like uh-huh. I'm a huge foodie. Like anybody knows me. Like I love food. I love all that shit. Love the history of food. Um, <clears throat> and when Anthony Bourdain died, it was really sad because his show which was no reservations, he would go to, like, Southeast Asia and eat stuff that people had never seen, mm-hmm. right? And so it opened a lot of eyes for a lot of American viewers. Like, oh, shit, like, that's what people eat, and there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And so then 
like, he opened so many doors for, like, Asian cuisine and, like, other cuisines in general. But it was just crazy to think about how, um, you know, we went from me in elementary school, school, people being like, ew, your food is so gross, it smells so bad, to now people being like, Posting oh my gosh, Instagram. yeah, like, look at me trying ramen. Or, like, yeah. look at me on my banh mi, your pho is so cool, like, my hangover cure, right? Like, uh-huh. And so it's just crazy to me. I'm like, okay, wow, well, now people, it's, like, so trendy to enjoy Asian food or, like, Asian food, fusion food, or, like, there's, like, non-Asian chefs opening up Asian restaurants. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, it's just, like, so crazy to see how the world is turning, right? Where it's, like, we love Asian food, we love Asian people. But I guess it's, like, I wish you guys would love our people as much as you love our food. Yeah, I was going to say, does that annoy you? Because I'm thinking about it. I'm, like, thinking of, like, the elementary school bullies bullying um, you for smelly food, and now they're the ones on Instagram, like, yeah. I got this. And I, it's still, like, such a deep-seated insecurity for me mm-hmm. because in terms of me, and for some reason it always leads back to, like, me introducing somebody to my family or me bringing somebody home, like, even if it's a friend. I'm like, okay, like, if I have to bring somebody home that I don't know, like, even if it's a friend, I'm like, okay, I hope my parents um, aren't cooking something super smelly. Mm. But it could be, like, my favorite meal. Yeah. Right? And I'd be like, oh, well, I don't want them to think badly of me or think that my food smells. Or And it's like, who the fuck cares? Yeah. Welcome to my fucking home. If you don't like that I'm Asian, then don't be my friend. Yeah. Um, but, like, obviously I still don't have that mentality, even though I hope I soon do. Um, but yeah, it's just like, it it is annoying, but I think it's more of like a internal thing that I need to deal with too. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like there is a lot of work to be done from white people that, I don't know what I'm trying to say, (laughs) but basically. It's just like such a tough situation because I I it's kind of weird because it's coming at the same time that like everyone's finally getting behind the thought of like Black Lives Matter yes and so then and I've seen a lot of um I guess like pushback being like well why didn't like Asian Americans weren't there when black lives were being killed so why do we care now mm-hmm. kind of thing but it's like we're all kind of fighting the same fight mm-hmm. um there's racism like there's so much racism in this country and it sucks and uh I guess there's just like nothing I don't know I I I wouldn't know what the next step is or like what it would be but I feel like I think it's always important to check your own privilege and if you find yourself having I uh and I think a lot of us are used to having automatic thoughts of when something we see something different right so like Mm mm-hmm And I feel like most of the issues, at least for me, that I've experienced that make me feel really different um, and, like, pointed out for being Asian is in terms of food, too. So, like, I think one thing anybody can do is, like, if you see something and you want to try it, don't automatically be, like, that's gross. That's disgusting. It's, like, no, that's literally, like, the national dish of that country. Like, what entire populations of people eat this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think appropriate things to say if you don't want to try it or if you don't like it is like, oh, that's an acquired taste. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> as simple as that, instead of being like, ew, that's so fucking gross. And I've definitely experienced people who are like, that's so gross. That is disgusting. I can't believe people eat that. 
And it's like, wow, way to make me feel very great about my culture and who I am. You know? Yet they eat hot dogs. Yeah, which is like literally <laughs> every part of a pig ground up into a sausage. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot of unlearning and relearning, checking your privilege, knowing, being honest with yourself about your biases. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And being honest with yourself about what you have to learn, because, I mean, I've done a lot of un- unlearning in my life, I'll say. I'll, I, my most recent one was probably... Um, how old am I right now? 25? Mm-hmm. Four years ago, so when I was, like, 21, mm-hmm. I didn't realize and the person I think is going to listen to this and know um how long the immigration process took Mm -hmm. to get your green card to be here and Mm -hmm. I made a pretty ignorant comment um and was like just get your green card like what's taking you so hard yeah (laughs) horrible Mm -hmm. and I'm just putting that out there so people don't feel bad for the unlearning they have to do yeah and like if you're not learning, you're not doing anything, right? So, like, I don't think... I, I think a lot of people get scared, right? And I think we kind of had this conversation when we were talking about Black Lives Matter, too. It's, like, people get scared to make any changes because they're scared they're going to do the wrong thing, learn the wrong thing, say the wrong thing. But it's, like, if you don't even take a second to be, like, okay, what can I learn? There's, there's not... It's not that you have to take action, right? And be, like punch every braceless person in the face right like that's not what anybody is asking it's just like you can do the work listen to a podcast when you're in your car yeah right like it's as simple as that and it's like as long as you're learning a little bit that opens up your mind to think a little more flexibly I guess that's not the right word but just like open your mind to different people and different lifestyles like I'm I'm sure you won't catch yourself in any situation where you accidentally say something wrong because and it's i mean it's never okay to be ignorant never yeah absolutely not and to have malintentions right but you need to learn yeah and it's like and you need to stop feeling some weird guilt or shame yeah for not knowing because then you'll never learn yeah exactly um but yeah i mean happy to discuss more of my Asian American experience um, with anybody that's curious. I know we didn't even touch on, I mean, we could touch on, like, how um, the over-sexualization of Asian women has, like, affected dating for Mm. me and friends of mine. Um, I don't really think that's, like, that important, but just know that it it exists. And Mm -hmm. um, it it is harmful to look at your Asian or ethnic counterparts and be like you're so exotic looking oh yeah the fetish fetishize fetishization the fetishization yes the fetishization of people of color and then it's weird it's honestly weird trying to take over their cultures or the parts of the cultures that you like like oh right it's literally like another form of eugenics honestly um it's crazy to me how many forms I mean, it's not crazy, but there's lots of forms of racism. Yes. So many. So So many. many. So it's just Mm -hmm. trying to understand those. And then once you understand them, calling them out when you see it. Totally. I think. Yeah. Especially as white people, you need to call out other white people. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the takeaway from this episode would be that 
hopefully this gave you a little bit of insight into what the Asian American experience has been for me at least. And um, just even if you thought some of the things I said were like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Uh, there are a thousand worse things that have happened to others out there too mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Like microaggressions are so, so, so real. Um, yeah, take some time to learn about what's going on. It You see it because it's happening. It's not just like some sort of like propaganda shit that is appearing. And even when you aren't seeing it, it's still happening. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, I guess, is there anything else? Just, I mean, I think it'd be good for us to touch on this again and bring awareness in the future and mm-hmm. any other people who have stories similar I'd love to, to hear yours. it. Yeah, feel free. I mean, I don't have Instagram anymore, but feel free to DM it to the Instagram and it'll get to me. Mm-hmm. So definitely do your research. Maybe we can find some resources to post. Mm-hmm. Educate yourselves. Do your research. Donate where you can. Know that your uh, Asian peers right now are struggling and it wouldn't hurt to just reach out and hope that they're safe. Mm-hmm. I've had, like, multiple Asian-American friends that I've come across, like, in my lifetime reach out to me. Mm. Like, even at work, too. And they're like, hope you're okay. Mm. Which is great. Like, that's that's one way you can stay supported. It's just, like, hope you're okay right now. Yeah. Let me know if you need anything. Let me know if you need me to run to the grocery store for you if you're scared. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah. Just, I'm okay. <laughs> in, in me saying that, I'm okay. I'm doing well. Um, but just know not everyone is. And just don't be afraid to stick up for others. And and stop Asian hate. Stop Asian hate. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back again at an undisclosed time. We don't know. (laughs) Life's a little busy. Life's busy. We'll touch on it. But yeah. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.